0: Today's scripture reading is taken from 1 Kings, chapter 17, verses 8 to 16. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. For I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar a little oil in a jug. I'm now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterwards make something for yourself and your son for thus says the Lord the God of Israel the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth she went and did as Elijah said so that she as well as he and her household ate for many days the jar of meal was not emptied Neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you.
1: Please turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 20. As Doug mentioned, uh, this morning we're going to talk about doubt. We're going to talk about a familiar story with Thomas about doubt. We read a story in the Old Testament. Uh, If you're familiar with it, it would be very easy to doubt. A widow and her son with no more to eat or drink. Told that God will provide. And here in the story uh, that many of us, as I said, are familiar with, uh, Thomas, wondering if this Easter thing really happened. So please, uh, this morning, follow along with me as we read the word of the Lord from John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger in the mark of the nails... In my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning I've titled the sermon Better Together for obvious reasons, but I think one of the things I want to point out here is what we can learn from Thomas. Thomas. Uh, I am one, for those who know me and who come to the evening service as I taught through minor Bible characters uh, through the month of January and February, I'm a big fan of the underdog in scripture. I like the person, to study the person who might have a bad reputation. Uh, and, and Thomas is one of those who's, he's really only known for his doubt. Thomas is known worldwide, the, the phrase doubting Thomas is used colloquially in, in secular settings. Don't be A doubting Thomas. People know what this word means, similar to Judas for deceit or betrayal. And I don't think it's fair. Yes, Thomas did doubt, but I think there's much we can learn from Thomas. He is much more than just doubting Thomas. And that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. In verse 24, John starts out by saying, here we have this man Thomas called the twin, and if you do a study on that, there's a lot of reasons why they called him that, but no one quite knows for sure. But the other disciples are around, and we see that Thomas was not there. He didn't see Jesus, and they say to him, Hey, you know, Thomas, we saw our Lord. He's risen, and he said, I don't believe you. In fact, unless I see and I touch, I won't believe it. You can keep telling me that Jesus is real and that Jesus rose from the dead, but unless I see and I touch, I won't believe. He wants proof. You know, Thomas... It has two other mentions in John's gospel that give us a little bit of insight into who he was and how he thought. The first is in John chapter 11, before they go to Lazarus, after Lazarus has died. They're afraid of going back to Jerusalem for the fear of being killed. And, and Thomas speaks up in John chapter 11 and he says to his fellow disciples, All right, Jesus, if you're going to go back to Jerusalem, he says, Let us go also that we may die with him. So Lazarus, we see there, is he knew. Jerusalem was a dangerous place, and he, he might be a little bit cynical, might be a little bit, you know, kind of see things a little differently. And then in John 14, the night of Passover, Thomas says to him in John fourteen five, he says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? When Jesus says that he's going to prepare a place for them in John chapter 14. And he seems very logical, very straightforward. You know, Thomas just saw things differently than some of the disciples, he seems very logical, as I said, very straightforward, maybe a little bit on the cynical side of life, and just says, you know, Jesus, I'm not going to believe that he rose from the dead until I see it. You know, and we often forget when I read this, you know, we're reminded that this was a week after Easter. This wasn't right away. What might have been Thomas' thoughts all week long? It was a week after he was told that Jesus was a resurrected and he said, no, I don't believe it. What were their discussions like? What was Thomas' inner thought life like? Everyone's saying Jesus is alive, but I haven't seen him. Why didn't Jesus come to me? What's happening? What do I do? How do I? I mean, he's lived three years in following this guy and he's gone. For a moment, put yourself in his position. Or maybe that of the other disciples and think, what would you do if one of your closest friends suddenly said, I don't believe? How would you respond? How would you deal with it? Maybe you've been put in this position in life. Maybe, maybe you know exactly what this is like to feel like in a modern setting. Maybe someone who once claimed and said they believed one day came to you and said, no, I don't believe. Maybe a loved one, maybe a friend, Maybe someone you grew up with one day came to you and just said, no, I don't believe. Similar to Thomas, they said, unless, unless he is standing in front of me and tells me from his own mouth that this is all true, I'm not going to believe it. What do we do? How do we act? What do we say to that person? It's difficult to know how to proceed, and it's difficult to deal with these situations. And here, I think we can learn something very, very important in how to deal with these And so Jesus comes on the scene a week later. I want to know what Thomas' inner thought life was like, but we don't have it. So Jesus shows up a week later, and he says, peace, peace be with you. A message of greeting and of comfort in these difficult days, wondering what would come next, afraid that they might be killed as well. He says, peace be with you. And as Doug said in the children's sermon, he goes straight to Thomas. And he says to Thomas, here, here you go. See it, feel it, touch it. It's me. And this is such a powerful teaching for a couple of reasons, but one that I want to remind us of about the power of Easter and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ is that he was not just resurrected in spirit. See, many times to maybe rationalize it, we think, okay, well, yes, he died, but the body rose and he was sort of a spirit floating around and visiting people. No, it says he was a physical body that he reached his hands out for his disciple Thomas to feel the marks from the nails. Jesus was flesh and blood. Jesus did not just rise as a spirit, but his physical body was also raised. Luke 24, he says in Luke's gospel account, See my hands and my feet? That it is I. Touch and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. We must remember that Easter was not just Jesus conquering death in spirit, but also in flesh. That even our flesh will be redeemed one day. The same way it was in Christ. And Thomas's response is exactly what we would think. It's belief. He uses the same words it uses in John 1 when talking about who Jesus was. He says, my Lord and my God. Thomas proclaims that Jesus is not just Or not just a prophet, not just a rabbi, but that he is God. That he is the fullness of Christ, that he is fully God and fully man. And Thomas then believes. And we know from church tradition what happens. Thomas then, we don't hear any more really about him, but church tradition tells us he carried the gospel far, far to the east. Thomas calls him Lord and believes. And so John writes down in verse 29, What Jesus said then to him afterwards. Our charge. What what Jesus would have us do. For all of those who come after Thomas. For all of us who can't physically see him. He gives us this charge in verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. For you in this room, brothers and sisters in Christ, blessed are you for believing in what you have not seen. This is the purpose of this belief. Verse 30 and 31, he goes on to say that this is the purpose of all the things Jesus did. This is the reason that people after him would believe and would come to know him and that they would be blessed in the eyes of God. Similar to the language Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, blessed are you for what you believe in though you cannot prove it. Here is our calling, here is our mission. In the face of unbelief and in the face of doubt, we are called to believe. We are called to know. To believe, not just in the resurrection and not just in Easter a week ago that we joyfully celebrate, but in all Jesus said and did, in all the ways Jesus lived, both in body and in soul for all eternity. So then the question becomes, what's so great about this Thomas guy? He didn't believe. We did. We're better than Thomas. You know, Thomas is great because he may have been a little too rational. He may have been a little too cynical. Uh, Many of us might suffer from this as well. I know the room is full of scientists and mathematicians and business people who are very rational and very black and white in their thinking. And I confess I'm very cynical by nature. Uh, If someone proves or if someone gives me... A hard to believe fact, if someone says to me that they worked at Disneyland as Goofy, my first thought is to say, prove it! Prove it! I want to see the picture, you can't just say it, I need proof! I, this, is, this is why for someone like me, Google is the worst thing in the world, because I can look it up right away. I understand Thomas's viewpoint. And I understand why Thomas gets a bad rap. All the other disciples saw him though. Thomas didn't get to see him. And when we look at the Apostle Thomas, when we look at this story, it's understandable. We understand a little bit about Thomas because we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been at a time where we say, do we really believe this? I mean, really? I remember there was a couple of times leading up to Easter where I'm thinking about Easter and Lent and all of the things this season represents and I think, man, we believe in some really strange things. But maybe it's worth believing in. Because then I look at my life, and I look at the stories, and I see the stories of Christ. I see the stories in my own life, and I think, this couldn't be anything other than God. This couldn't be anything other than the Spirit of God. We often give Thomas a really bad name and call him Doubting Thomas, but he did something I want to point out that we should all look to him and find wisdom and find very admirable. He was experiencing a time of great darkness. Anyone who's ever had a friend or a family member say they don't believe in Jesus anymore knows how hard that is. And something about Thomas, that week probably was very dark and probably very difficult. Wondering where Jesus was. Wondering why he didn't see Jesus. But he did something that's very admirable that I want to point out and that I want us to take away from this story is that he stayed with his community. He stayed with the disciples. He kept meeting with them even though it was a difficult time in his life. Some of you are familiar with the author Henry Nowen or Henri Nouwen. Uh, the American Catholic, or he's French, but, or Dutch I think, but he lived in America and, and lived in Canada and he was a writer and, and wrote all of these wonderful things. He was a Catholic priest and he struggled with a lot of things in his life and he wrote something about Thomas and I shared this uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, the council and and some of the elders here, and I decided to, to make it part of this sermon because I thought it was so profound. He wrote this about Thomas. He said, Although Thomas did not believe in the resurrection of the Lord, he kept faithful to the community of the apostles. And in that community, the Lord appeared to him and strengthened his faith. I find this a very profound and consoling thought. In times of doubt or unbelief, The community can carry you along. It can even offer you on your behalf what you yourself overlooked. And it can be the context in which you recognize the Lord again. Isn't that beautiful? I never thought about that before. Thomas didn't leave. Didn't go back to his old life. Didn't abandon the disciples. A week later, he was still meeting with them. A week later, he was still spending time with them. When we look at the story of Thomas and when you look at your life and you look at your struggles and maybe your doubt and maybe things you struggle with faith about or down the road when difficult circumstances do come because we know they will. Let me encourage you, do not give up meeting with the apostles. Do not stop meeting with your brothers and sisters in Christ because they may be the very avenue with which you see Jesus again. What's so great about Thomas? He may have been a little too rational. He may have been too cynical. But he showed us an example of it. In our fear, and our doubt, and our uncertainty to continue to meet with the Lord. Continue to meet with brothers and sisters in Christ that we might see God. Many of us are familiar with this passage from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23, 24, and 25. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let me encourage you. Sometimes we use the phrase, God showed up. But let me encourage you that God is there. That God is always there. And that it takes, sometimes it just takes being around other people to see him. Sometimes it just takes spending time with Christians to know that God is there, to see Jesus in other people, in people across from us, in the people who are praying for us. We may not get to see his hands and his side on this earth, but we can see it in the people of this room. You know, there's a great movie Many of you are familiar with, it's getting older now, it's called Forrest Gump. And Forrest Gump, theologically, is so great in so many ways. But there was, there's a line from it that I always think of when I think of Christians saying, God showed up. And it's so good. After the Vietnam War, he's sitting with his former commander who's in a wheelchair, and he's talking about Jesus, and, and Lieutenant Dan is his name, and Lieutenant Dan is talking about how all these people at the VA, the Veterans Affairs Office, have have started becoming Christians after the war and all of this trauma has led them to Jesus. And, and so he turns to Forrest Gump and he says, you find Jesus yet, Gump? And, and Forrest, just perfect response says, well, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. <laughs> Sometimes we just don't know we're supposed to be looking for Jesus. Sometimes we get so busy and so wrapped up in our circumstances or our doubt or our fear or our questions that we forget to look for Jesus. We forget to look for Jesus and the people in this room and our brothers and sisters in Christ that we meet together with to see Him. And so let me encourage you life is just better together. It really is. And when you are doubting, when you are struggling, when you are fearful, meet together with brothers and sisters in Christ and let them show you Jesus. And when you feel like you are strong, when you feel like you are in a good place with Jesus, go and meet with people who are not. Go and be Jesus' hands and his feet and his voice to others. It's the great, great thing that God calls us to do. Not everyone will want to see him. We know that if a friend or a loved one decides not to believe anymore, they may not want to hear about it. And that's okay. We can't force anyone. But when the time comes, we will be ready to show them. When the time comes that some people in this room are struggling and are doubting and are wondering what's next in life, we will pray for them. We will pray for this body. We will pray for this church because our God did not just get off the cross as a spirit floating around. Doing, He got off the cross. He is alive. He is living. He is active. He rose from the dead and He is there waiting for us to go to Him. Waiting for us to look for Him. So as the writer in Hebrews wrote and what we can learn from the Apostle Thomas, let's not give up meeting together. Let's not ever give up praying for each other. And let's not do this life on our own. Let's do this life together because it is far, far better. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you. Lord, I thank you for Thomas. I thank you for him saying what many of us think. And Lord, I thank you that we can see, maybe not physically, Lord, but we can see your hands and your side in the lives of other people, in the history of the church. In the great deeds done, and for the love people show us. Lord, let us never give up meeting together. Let us never give up praying for one another. Let us never give up serving one another as you taught us. Father, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Father, give us the strength to believe more and more that others would see you in us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.